At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Hi there, everybody. This is a special bonus Ask the Expert edition. It's just me, Annie, today. And I am here with Dr. Amy Schechter. Dr. Amy Schechter is a physician and an IBCLC, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. She is local to me here in the tri-state area, and I refer families to her. And we're going to talk today, have a conversation about coordinating referrals virtually. So let me tell you a little bit more about Amy. Hi, Amy. Say hi to everybody. Hi, Amy. So Amy graduated from Brown University with a BS in psychology, an MS in medical science, and an MD. She began her training in general surgery, but after having her first child 13 years ago and navigating her own breastfeeding difficulties, she developed a passion for breastfeeding support. Dr. Schechter became a La Leche League leader which is where she and I first met, and then shifted her career path to breastfeeding medicine in 2013. She started her lactation practice as an IBCLC doing home visits, then transitioned to working full-time doing breastfeeding medicine. Dr. Schechter has a private practice in Northern New Jersey where she specializes in the diagnosis and treatment of tethered oral tissues, including tongue tie, lip tie, and buckle ties. She teaches IBCLC interns as well as rotating medical students. Dr. Schechter is an experienced mother of four who has successfully breastfed all of her children, including three with tongue ties. In her free time, she enjoys exploring and crafting with her children, baking and knitting. So hi, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on the Lactation Business Coaching Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see your face because you're a doctor that I refer many of my clients to. And we used to be La Leche League leaders together in Queens, which is so cool. And I have been so grateful for you having you there because 
I trust you. And as we've had to pivot to virtual, I know that you are really implementing best practices to keep families safe while still providing those clinical services. So I would love for you to tell the Lactation Business Coaching audience how you and your medical practice, have you incorporated virtual care for families, both pre and post release? Sure. It's been, it's definitely been a difficult, challenging, I guess, transition. It wasn't, you know, when we go into, into healthcare, we certainly don't expect to be doing all of this virtually. I think, you know, the first thing in the back of my mind is always, is this something that can be done virtually? Is there, is it absolutely necessary that I see them in person? And I think I've been surprised at just how much I can actually accomplish without having to see the patients directly in person. You know, after my initial screening, which I'm sure everyone does, just, you know, what's the reason that you would like to be seen? I usually can kind of guide them. I tell them what their options are. And if it's something I think we might be able to accomplish virtually, you know, I suggest that to start. You know, we need to be safe. We need to protect these babies, the families, and of course, all of us. So if we're moving toward a virtual visit, I usually try to set it up so that it's as similar as can be to what I would be doing in the office. So I'd like to try to explain to the family how I generally function and try to mimic that as much as I can. So I will actually ask the parents to strip their baby down just like I do in person and set up a place where I can really fully examine their baby. So just as when I am seeing a patient in the office, I will actually have the parent place the baby down on a firm surface. I'll have them kind of walk around showing me the baby's kind of resting posture. You know, how do they hold themselves? How are they most comfortable? If I notice something like the baby keeps turning to the left, I might ask the parents, can you walk around to the right and see what this baby does? Are they going to follow you? So you don't expect that developmentally with a newborn, but they can, in that case, maybe take their hands and gently reposition them so their head is straight up and they're again in that kind of a straight posture to start and see what they do after that. See if they turn that way again. You know, it's all these little subtle details that can really make a big difference with these tiny little babies. And when I start my visits, really the first thing I'm doing is I'm chatting with the parents and watching, getting information. I'm really paying close attention to the baby's posture and how the parents seem most comfortable holding their baby. You know, is it if I hand their baby to them in their left hand, are they going to immediately put their baby in their right? Things, little things like this. And you can get a little of that just by watching initially, but as they position their baby on a table and they move around, and they try to keep straightening their baby, it's really important to be able to pick up these little subtleties. I will actually ask them to step right kind of with their baby's head at their eye level. And so I can get a good look straight from the back of the baby's head, take a look at symmetry, asymmetries, anything that, you know, looks like a source of tension. And then kind of from above, I'll, I'll take a look and I'll see what their, what, the, what does their jaw look like? What is, do they seem tense? Do they seem relaxed? Just as a very, you know, kind of general assessment to see how this baby is functioning. And I think at this point, you know, it's really going to depend on what the presenting issues are. But 
I think this is where we have to really take the role of the teacher. And we are walking these parents through the exam that we would otherwise be doing. So I will be walking the parent through doing a SUP exam. I'm going to explain, you know, they might need you to really explain what is the anatomy of their finger first. You know, your finger pad is going to be going, their finger's going to go in the baby's mouth and their finger pad needs to go up and press into the baby's palate, you know, and so the, their fingernail is going to be down against the baby's tongue. And you need to kind of walk them through this. Have the parent suck on the baby's finger while the baby's laying on a flat surface with the parent standing behind the head and have the parent feel and describe what's going on as the baby is sucking on their finger. You might be surprised at the detail you get seeing the expression on the parent's face. And you want to obviously be watching this. So I'll actually have the parent doing a suck exam. And I'm often surprised by just what it is that they can describe. Sometimes they'll say, okay, it feels like they're nibbling or it feels like something is rubbing against the tip of my fingernail. You know, I can usually get a lot of information from this. And being that a large portion of my patients are really coming for tetheroral tissue issues. It's important that I can get a really good stuff exam. And I try to give them a little analogy. I will explain that when this baby's sucking on their finger, it should be a lot like, like having a hot dog and a hot dog bun and kind of explain to them, they can hold that in their hands and tip over the hot dog. But if they're holding on, holding on to that bun, it's not going to fall out of their hands. And that baby's tongue is essentially like the bun and your finger or the nipple would be the hot dog. And the baby needs to be able to get a grasp and a seal and then create a vacuum to hold on to the finger or the nipple in order to suck properly. And that's- so you're doing all of this like while they're doing the suck exam and then they're, they're telling exactly. you what it feels like and then you're exactly. interpreting that for them. Yeah. So I'm really, you know, I'm walking through and I'm watching, you know, how they're interacting with their baby too. Um, which I think gives you a lot of information. So, you know, going through this, getting their their descriptors, it provides a lot of information. I want to know, you know, is is their baby's tongue holding onto your nail or is it dropping away and losing contact? These Mm -hmm. are the things in terms of knowing if there's an anatomic or functional problem that needs, you know, to be addressed in a different way. I think at this point, once you feel like you've got a pretty good idea, of course, you're going to do an oral assessment as much as you possibly could by the camera, but keeping in mind that it's really the function that's most important in terms of the baby's breastfeeding ability. So at that point is when I usually would have, you know, I'd evaluate the mother if she's got anything visual to see, maybe she's got nipple damage or a fissure, or maybe she's worried about mastitis. But then I would take a look at mom before she starts to latch and usually like to start by just observing, see what the parents are doing, see, you know, how the breastfeeding parent is most comfortable latching the baby on. And, you know, just like when you're in person, you've got to remember those kind of your skills observing and listening. And sometimes you'll have another family member or two in the background and see how that interaction is going, you know, Depending on the age of the baby, you might be dealing with things like distractions on the outside that, you know, you might notice right away and they might not realize it's been a factor. So it sounds like you're really doing a 
full consult just virtually. So you're really like mapping that entire process and just doing it with your voice instead of with your hands. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there are times, of course, you know, are some one issue can be when you've got some sort of language barrier. That, of course, makes it a whole lot more challenging. But at least in my experience, that hasn't been frequent, though it happens sometimes where, in that case, you know, a virtual conversation can be, or examination can be really challenging. So then families are coming, you're triaging and having them come in if they need in-person and then you're following up with them virtually in terms of checking, assessing the aftercare that they're, how things are healing up, you're doing that virtually. Right. So I've actually gone through and added a couple of videos to my website and my Facebook page, have automated emails going out to check on the families. And so... I realized in the past when I'd get a call, maybe somebody is traveling a long distance to see me and they want me to check on their baby, I would ask them to send a picture. And I would give them instructions on how to get a good picture. But oftentimes, if perhaps one of my staff members requested a picture, I'll get the picture by email and it's useless because it's not showing what I need. So I've put up a video explaining exactly how to get a good picture and what I need to see a new video, doing the stretches, things like that. And so my families now get an automatic message um, one week out from the procedure if they came in for a tongue tie. And it gives a link to the video. It tells them what I need to see and evaluate what's going on. And so I get that picture. And, you know, it also makes sense in terms of time because I have that before I get on the phone to talk to them and follow up. And if they send me a picture that's not what I need, I'll email back, remind them to look at the video, follow the instructions. Usually, very quickly, I get a new picture to evaluate, and then I call the family um, to review what's going on. And it's actually working very well. That's great. We're going to make sure we put links in the show notes so people can see those videos too, because it really helps to have things to show people to get, you know, especially when we're working collaboratively with doctors like you in helping these families. So we are, you know, in thinking in the what's going on right now and just doing all these virtual visits and certain things are, you know, require in-person care, such as the actual treatment of a tongue tie cannot be done virtually. We're not going to talk anybody through how to do that at home. Um, So at some point, there are some things where these families are going to have to leave their house and see a doctor. And I think some of us are having some worries about if I recommend to a family that they should see a doctor in person, am I doing the wrong thing by telling them they should go to a doctor? How do I know when it's the right time to make a referral and when I should not make a referral? I think we're all really wanting to be doing the right thing for families and also making sure that we are not encouraging people to go beyond what they should be doing for their own safety. So what advice would you have for us about how we're managing these referrals that might end up being in person? Like how can we, how can we, what should we be recommending to them? Sure. Well, it's a great question. I think that even before we had all of these virtual visits in general, I think it's so important that you're really you know, making sure the families understand that, that 
they're the decision makers here. And so you're making your recommendations, but you're talking them through and you're reminding them they're the, they're the advocate here. They're the ones who make the decision. You can make your recommendations. At this time right now, I am very clear in my language that I'm referring them, for instance, to a physical therapist who specializes in babies who have had tongue ties released or who have torticollis or other eating difficulties and who I know are doing virtual work right now. And I'll tell them right away that, you know, I appreciate it's not ideal. It's not, you know, our top choice, but it's the next best thing. And that I trust these particular therapists to give them everything they can. And hopefully if they set this visit up, that they'll leave the visit with a really good set of tools that they can be working on independently and really reminding them that whenever you go to a physical therapist or occupational therapist, uh, feeding therapist, a lot or most of the work is really what you do at home. And so it's, I feel like it's, when I think it's something that's needed, I have to give them this information and, and remind them that, that it's not the, you know, 20 minutes you might spend in person with the therapist to fix the problem, but it's the work you're doing at home. And if they feel, if they feel like they can do a virtual visit and take the instruction, you know, I'm obviously going to refer them to the people who I feel like are most experienced. Hopefully, will be the best teachers to be able to, you know, pass on this information. That's really great. I one thing I've been telling families when they've been asking me, like, should I go? is it safe for me to go to this doctor? I've been saying, call them and ask them and hear what they have to say. Cause right. um, I like, I like how you put it, that they're the decision makers and that we never want to be holding back information. And then having that referral system where you can trust that the people you're referring to are, they have, the, you know, aligning values and that they are committed to offering the best possible care in the safest possible way. So I really like that, that point, the way you made it. Now also, I mean, people are so vulnerable with what's going on, you know, empowering them with just reminding them that they're the decision makers can really go a long way. Totally, totally. They, they need to hear that right now. They need to know what they're, what they're good at. And what I find families tend to be good at is, taking care of their babies and just, you know, loving them. And, and when you can't really build that up too much with people, what is, if you could give one piece of encouragement to the private practice lactation consultants who are listening, who are offering virtual support for families dealing with ties, is there something you can tell them to help them feel encouraged and empowered right now? I think that people right now, all of the consultants are so worried about not being able to offer their full self in the way they usually will. But I think this is the time more than ever that, that the lactation consultants who are trying to work virtually really try to own their, their expertise and all of the, everything they have to offer right now. And remember that right now during this time, the, the families who are contacting you are probably the ones who are most at risk right now for not being able to continue on otherwise. Already they probably are going to the baby's doctor who may or may not be considering themselves an expert in lactation. Oftentimes, you know, they 
will say, oh, well, you know, do this, do this, it'll all get better. But when the parents leave and things aren't getting better and if they feel desperate enough to say, okay, I'm going to try this virtually, anything that we can offer to them is going to be big and helpful. And even if it's really just giving them that support to keep working on it, I think it's going to go a long way. That's great. That that made me feel better. That's I really need to hear that. I really do miss being in person with them and, and giving them just just that good feeling that you get when there's somebody there who cares. And obviously I miss holding those babies, but really remembering that there's so many different ways to communicate that to people and that the ones who are calling us are going to be receptive to that. I think that's a really good message. Thank you so much for answering these questions for us and just talking with us about your process and for being a referral source for families and especially for all how you are training new lactation consultants. And I just, I've spoken, I've spoken to a lot of them that have been working with you and just love the experience and the families love what you have to offer and look forward to being able to give that full service again. But for now you're doing great work and thank you for helping us do better at what we do. And if you want to learn more about what Dr. Schechter is doing and get some of her resources, you can go to her website, which is breastfeedingmedicinenj.com. We'll put those links in the show notes so that you can keep learning from her. And until next time, I'm Annie and this is Lactation Business Coaching, head over to patreon.com slash lactation business coaching to join our community and help us continue to provide these free podcasts that hopefully are making your private practice better. Take care, everybody. Bye. Want to continue the conversation? Join our community and connect with other private practice lactation consultants just like you. We offer support and exclusive member-only content designed to help you create a compassionate and professional private practice. We're all in this together at patreon.com slash lactation business coaching. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review and share it with a friend. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 